One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. The world push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis. And joining me this week uh, is Spencer Oliver. I'm in Las Vegas and Spencer is in London at TalkSport Towers. We picked over the bones of the postponement of the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder 3 fight in Las Vegas, scheduled for July the 24th, uh, which has now been moved to October the 9th. Spencer and I went all over that. We were joined, first of all, by Frank Warren, who spoke to us about his fighters, but also that situation with Fury and Wilder. A quick thing, Frank, first of all, on... Tyson Fury uh, against Deontay Wilder, delayed, postponed till October the 9th. Um, what's the feeling inside the, 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 the camp about this? Well, obviously, everybody's disappointed. You know, I've been, you know Tyson's been training for what now? Um, well, by the time this fight comes around, he'll be in 20 months out of the ring. So he's obviously very disappointed, and the and it's but you know that's the the that's the age we live in at the moment. These things happen. So what can you do? Yeah, he's, he's faced quite a backlash from fans over it. The fact that you know that that fight's delayed, that the the Fury of Joshua fight didn't happen, and having my contact with him myself, and I'm sure your contact with him is is that he's he's frustrated and desperate to get out there and fight. Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, what back, backlash can you have over it? I mean, a, a judge ordered the fight, and uh, the, the, the you know, and he's got COVID. I mean, mm. <laughs> what, 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 so what's he supposed to do? He would be allowed to fight if he wanted, and he does want to. No one's going to allow him to box. He's not allowed to. You know, that, that's how it is. Um, everyone's frustrated, of course. They are, but the fighters are more frustrated than than, than, than anyone else. And all this. You know, it's backlash you sell this, you know, for want of a bit of, was it trolling, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. I was going to say, Frank, have you had a chance to speak to Tyson Fury? And, that, you know, sort of how's he, you know, how is he, you know, now the fight has been delayed again? Because it has been a, such a frustrating 20 months for him or so. You know, how's, how's he taking it all, like, now going down with COVID? Like, what's his mood like? Well, he's obviously, obviously, he's obviously very, very frustrated. It's not like he, you know, he, you know, um, he's. I speak to Bob Aram yesterday. Bob, Bob, like everyone's also paid off it. I mean, I see that um, Eddie Hearn had made some comments about it. That tickets hadn't sold. That you know, they've done fourteen million pounds worth of tickets up until the postponement. Mm. So it's just rubbish. You know, but he, he, he is. He's disappointed, but, you know, you have to get on with it. Nothing you can do about it. It's life. Well, we go to the T-Mobile Arena on October the 9th, of course, and hopefully that will allow more fans to travel. There's more of a head of steam. Um, you know, we'll catch up with Bob Aram later. I spoke to him earlier, and we'll hear from him about the uh, the American side of it all. Frank, um, obviously, big one coming up. Uh, Joe Joyce against Carlos Takam. A great measuring yardstick, this one, for Joe Joyce. Well, it's a tough fight for him. You know, everybody knows who Takam is, and, it, and the fight's been quite well received by by everybody. And, uh, and that tells you because they know it's going to be a, it, it is a it is a tough fight for Joe. I mean, as much as Joe um, was a silver medalist in the in the games, he's only had twelve pro fights, so he's still pretty much of a novice. And you know, this guy that does come to fight, he's tough, and I think he's going to give Joe. A, he's, he's definitely going to give Joe a tough fight. 
He's, 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 he's coming to fight, and they believe they can win. And what's at stake is Joe's number one spot with the WBO, uh, which is uh, you know, man- mandatory to the winner of um, AJ and Usyk. Taka might have been knocked out badly by Derek Chisora with those hooks on that night where he was perhaps being beaten up to that point. But Takam certainly gave uh, Anthony Joshua a, a run for his money in that fighting Cardiff. And I just wonder whether you, apart from the rankings itself, whether this kind of marks a position that, that Joe, do you believe Joe is ready to challenge for world titles whenever a spot becomes available? Well, look, you know, he, he's, he's, he's done everything that's been asked to him up to as yet. This is going to be a, 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 another tough fight, you know, another tough opponent for him. I mean, he, you know, he fought Daniel Dubois last time out. We all know how that ended, but you know that until until until, um, until the uh, that was over, it was, it was it was a tough fight still for the both of them. Um, the, you're right; it's a yardstick for him. But if he if he's going to, you know, if you're number one position. And a governing body puts you there. You're there for a reason. It's because they believe that you are ready to fight for a world title. So he's got to go out there and do the business, and not just win. It's, it's win well, you know, so that everybody you know sits up and takes more notice of Joe. Frank, you've done a, a great job with Joe so far, and you're moving along quite nicely. And, and you know, Dubois, a lot of people thought was a big gamble for him, a fight that a lot, I think Dubois was actually favourite going into that contest. Joe come through with flying colours. Takam, again, as Gareth said, is a very tough guy, and, you know, he's mixed it with the best, and he's held his own with the best. If he comes through this one, what would your ideal 12-month plan be for Joe Joyce? Would you like to see him up there in a the mix or would you like to keep continuing, you know, putting him in with those fringe contenders and, and letting him grow and learn on the job? Well, I think, you know, you know hopefully he comes through the fight. and he, he just needs to keep busy. You know, as a pro, he needs to get more and more experience. So that, 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 well, I hope it's not going to... I'm not going to bock him, but this is his 13th fight coming up. So let's hope that that's not going to be... It's not, not ominous as far as our is concerned. But if he comes for it, I just want to keep him busy whilst he gets into a position where you know, where he can challenge for a world title. Frank, um, I happened to be there, obviously, last weekend. Um, a, a great night at the Albert Hall. Great to be back there. Some of your young stars in action, Archie Sharp, Dennis McCann. I mean, even his kids were shouting, come on, Dad, I could hear them all. Lyndon Arthur looked good. Um, in, in an interesting fight, kept his unbeaten record. Zach Parker kept his unbeaten record at super middle. Lyndon at light heavy, of course. But we saw a, a, a young light heavyweight in Carol Italma, who looks very promising. And only only two and oh he is, but he's got great physique, and there's a lot of being good things being said about him. Well, that was his third fight, and he did, he did do well. He's uh, he is the is a junior world gold. Um, Olymp- a junior Olympic gold medalist, so you know he's he, at that at that level he's done brilliant. Don't do no better than that to winning a gold medal. Uh, that was his third fight, and he the fellow come to you know the fellow was strong, and he caught him with a good shot. And what impressed me, he, he got caught he caught Carroll with a good shot. And what impressed me is how he sort of cleared his head. He, I felt uh, he looked like he got a bit buzzed to me, and I could and he just cleared his head, and he he, he just turned on the gas and done what he had to do and stopped his man. But, you know, he's still a baby. He's only 20 years of age, so there's no rush with him. And the game with him, he just needs to get more and more experience and just keep him busy. I don't want to burn him out because, uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Camontas has said that, um, you know, they wanted to get him out, like, uh, as soon as possible, like in the next next uh, three or four weeks. But I don't want that. I think he, I think he really needs, we, we really need for him to become a man and, and get a bit more strength before we start pressing on them. He just needs experience and and and, uh, and, and fighting the right type of opponents at this stage of his career. Yeah, Frank, you have got some brilliant young talent coming through and you've got some great young talent on that show next week, Joe Joyce versus Carlos Tackham. What I wanted to ask you, Frank, is what sort of capacity will we have in the SS Arena um, in Wembley? Um, well, we, we, we set it up for, for three and a half. That's what we were allowed. So that's what it's set up for, which is a bit of a disappointment, but it is what it is. And then I think back come August, then we'll be back to full capacity. Frank, um, finally, there's there's a lot of despair around the boxing world at the moment because the heavyweight fights haven't been happening and they've been put back. And 
give us a message for the fans that you know maybe all is not lost that we will get back to this kind of narrative of trying to get an undisputed title in the heavyweight division well we all want that we all work towards it but you know a few people got carried away announcing things before they were before they were due to to happen there always was an arbitration as far as uh, Tyson is concerned um, and everybody was seen to be overlooking it and I don't know I don't, I've never understood why but anyway um, you know for the fa- as far as the fans are concerned look, it, it's we're in we're in strange and, and unprecedented times you know if it, if, if it hadn't been for the for the, uh, for the covid they both I think both him and Angie Joshua would have had their respective yeah. contractual commitments because remember Joshua also had a also was a was had a problem with Usyk, who, who was about to um, take out legal proceedings to, to enforce his position as his challenger. So, you know, they would have got them out of the way had there not been the, the uh, COVID situation, and then hopefully um, they'd have both have got it on. We've just got to be a bit patient. Unfortunately, as we all know, as we just discussed, Tyson wound up catching COVID. But let, let's let them get their fight on, their respective fights on, and then they can get it on. Um, early next year, and and we can see them in action. You know, the heavyweight division is really, really um, strong. Sort of as far as the UK is concerned, I mean, it's, we're, we're the sort of blue ribbon division as far as the heavyweights are. And and what what really what people should bear in mind with Tyson, this is the guy that that that's gone on the road. You know, three times fought for the world title, three times on the road. He went to Germany, beat beat Klitschko. Had no fear going to Germany. Twice went to the States to fight Wilder. Got robbed the first time and then done a job on him in the second time. So no one can dispute the, 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 what Tyson's made of. You know, he had no home advantage. Each time he's gone abroad into the other guy's backyard. So give him some credit for that, surely. Well, our thanks to Frank there for joining us. Next up, his light heavyweight, Lyndon Arthur, joined us fresh off his victory last weekend at the Royal Albert Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the current Commonwealth champion and tonight the reigning and defending WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight Champion, Lyndon King seconds remaining, one more punch might do it and it's all over, and Lyndon Arthur in the ninth round finds the stoppage. Your winner, and still, WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight Champion, Lyndon King Arthur. How do you feel after victory over David Faraci last weekend at that brilliant venue, the Royal Albert Hall? Yeah, it was it was, um, it was a pleasure to box there because I found out recently that Muhammad Ali and a, and a few other great fighters have boxed there. So to put my name on that on that list was, was great, and also to get a good win there was was also pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the, the venue stayed dormant from boxing for about nine years, I think, at, at one point, and Frank Warren brought it back there. But like you say, back in the day, it was a staple uh, of boxing, along with the Empire Pools and all the places around London. It's an amazing venue. I mean, I know we only had about a 1,000 people in there, Lyndon, but, but, you know, when it's got... It's so circular and so focused into the centre. I'm glad you, you got something out of it. It was a... It was a different performance for you against for, from you against Faraci. I thought that you you almost I don't mean this in a rude way, but you seemed sluggish early on, like there wasn't a snap about you. Am I wrong? Uh, you know what? You probably was a little. Uh, well, I probably are a little bit right in that. Um, I kind of um, I don't know. I'm probably not underestimated him, but I kind of like I half didn't fear him at all. So mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I couldn't. Maybe I just thought it was going to be an easy night's work kind of thing. And as a boxer, you shouldn't really think like that. But it's kind of hard when 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 you feel you're better somebody, you're in there. But again, no 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 disrespect to Faraci. He came and he gave he gave a good account of himself, and he he he, he 
he was in there to, to win. I felt like he was in there. I was hitting him, and he was he was coming back. He wasn't shy. He was. Um, I felt like he thought he could, I felt like he thought he could win, even though I, I I felt levels above him in there. But you know, it is what it is. We got the victory, and we move on. Absolutely, no, you did, and you you warmed. I, I didn't mean it disrespectfully. You warmed into the fight, and you were hitting him. I thought it was a different kind of performance because you were going after him with power in the end, and you got the stoppage ninth round, wasn't it? Um, the 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 the, the thing is now you're ranked number one with the WBO. I know that they're looking to rematch you uh, with Anthony Yard in October. Is that right? Rather than pushing for a world title right now. I'm not sure if it's October. And I, um, I've not finalised any date yet. But if that's the next fight, then that's the next fight. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, Lyndon, I, I, I actually thought it was, it was a great performance on on Saturday night. You know, Farachi was one of those guys. It was. It was quite unorthodox. He like he come forward and he threw lots of punches. He was a lot shorter than you, and he and he did come to win. He, you know, he come with an un, unbeaten record, and all fighters with unbeaten records come to win. He come to take you know your your number one spot and and put put his mm. name up there. I thought actually you you boxed really well. I thought you sort of like you always looked like you was in control, even the rounds that yeah. maybe you were losing. You always looked like you was going to get victory. And what yeah. you do, Lyndon, and what impresses me so much, you've done it against Anthony Yard as well. Is you do an Enough to win. You're like you're one of those guys yeah. that always raises mm. his game to the level of opponent, and I think that that's mm. what it was there. And I was a little bit like that when I boxed as well. Sometimes when you box someone that's maybe a little bit lesser, you sort of drop down to their standard, but you still do enough to win, even though fights can be competitive. And I think the Anthony Yard fight proved there because I think going into that fight when you boxed Yard, you was going into that fight really as the underdog. Yard, Yard was the one that people thought was going to come through. He put in a, a, a good performance against Kovalev, and they and they felt that you know that he was going to you know he was going to win that fight. And I think you sort of like you won that fight really behind your jab. That's your key weapon, isn't it? You dominate with a jab, you whip in those right hands, and you get the job done. I think, mate, honestly. With the right progression and you know taking the right steps and, and taking the right opportunities at the right time, I think you're going to go on and win a world title. Actually, I I'm, I'm going to actually go out there and say this. I think you could be one of the most um, underrated fighters in the country. I think that you're one of those guys that is much, much better than what people recognise right now. But I think they, it, I think they will in time. Yeah, I appreciate them words, and I, I, I also do believe that myself. And you know. Like you say, um, the, 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 the raising the levels and, and, and fighting at the level that you, you, you're in, the, in there with the opponent with, when 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 you feel under no threat and, and, and no pressure that you feel like you're going to win anyway, you can't, your level just kind of drop by accident. Sure. You, don't mean, you, don't, you don't mean it to. Um, it just does because you're mm. just so confident in, in, in the fact that there's nothing that this person in front of you can do to, 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 to beat you. And I guess I, I'm not making no excuses. That might have been what that might have been what happened. Maybe it'll start off night. I don't know. But the, the 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 main thing is I got the job done. I got I got a great knockout victory. Sure. That, that 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 that's what matters to me. Um and, 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 and going forward, if I have to up my level I can do that. I, I, I mm. believe even anybody watching me knows that that was nowhere near my my best performance. Sure. By any by any means necessary by any means, sorry, so you know, I'm not I'm not too I'm not too fussed. No, sure. Listen, I, I feel Spence. I feel a bit better now. I feel a bit better after sounding very critical of you, Lyndon. That you actually weren't that happy with your performance until you got him out of there, weirdly. Yeah, no, no. Like even especially in the sixth, maybe I think when I watch it back, I think fifth and sixth, seventh. Hmm. Then middle rounds, I kind of dipped a little bit, and I just I was just defending. I was, to be fair, if I'm honest with you, I, I was having fun in there. Sure. I was like, I was like, I, I knew this. I was just working on defense, working on things. Probably should have done a little bit more throwing off the, off my defending, but that that's just in my arsenal. I can do that when needed, and 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 will do that going forward. So, you know, I'm not, I, as much as I can be critical, there's, there's good things I can take from it as well. Sure, listen, Lyndon, I'm I'm speaking like as an ex-fighter and me putting myself in that position. And it sort of took me back to times when I thought but guys are maybe lesser and everything else. I don't think you underperformed or was sluggish. You do you do seem to dip to the to the opponent's level. That's what you do, but you do do enough to win and. Actually, if you if you look at the pluses from that performance, I thought that you know there was a lot of pluses from that performance. You was boxing a guy that was like sort of a little awkward because he was short and he was coming 
to win and he was throwing shots from all over the place. He was trying to push the pace, but you controlled it. And I think that's the most important thing. And I thought, I, I took a lot of positives from your fight, if I'm totally honest, because I read a lot of articles yeah. saying that actually it was a lacklustre performance, but you got the job done in the end. Well, I didn't see it that way, mate. I thought that, you know, you'd done what you had to do. You got in, you got the job done. You worked him out and you took him out and, and it was a clinical finish. So I can only take I can only take pluses from that performance. Can I can I also say I he he also threw some of the weirdest punches I've ever seen, Lyndon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a kind of an awkward fight when we've been being awkward and also undefeated and also you know he he was he was he was an ex champion in in his country. He's ranked number one in Italy. So let's not take that away from him. Sure. In, in in his country, he was he was the the best light heavyweight. So mm. you know I I, I on box rec rankings anyhow. So you know, I I, I be I be a credible credibleish guy there. So you know, it, it is what it is. Whether whether the, whether the performance whether the performance was or wasn't good enough for for everybody's eyes, it was it was good enough to get a knockout victory, and that's all that and that's all that matters to me. Yeah, you listen. You're sneaking up in the shadows without being noticed, and that's sometimes that stealth way is a brilliant thing to do. Nineteen and 13 knockouts. I think you're now eight with the, number eight with the WBC. I think you're four with the IBF and number one challenger with the WBO. I didn't see you in the WBA list, but that's not a bad position to be in, Lyndon, is it? Of course, being ranked, being ranked, you know, across across the board of the of the organisations of, of the world in 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 the sport that I'm in, that can't be a bad thing, no. So, you know, I must be doing something right and. And, and, and going forward, I obviously want a world title, so I will keep pushing towards that. We were back on the Fury Wilder theme then, uh, speaking to uh, top-ranked promoter Bob Arum and uh, top-ranked president Todd DeBuff. Here's what they had to tell Spencer and I, and we discussed it afterwards. We were informed uh, by the commission doctor that uh, not only Tyson Fury, but that nine other people in his camp who had been using the gym with him uh, had come down with COVID. Our first uh, concern was their health. We uh, uh, got them the best medical attention and so forth. And Tyson was uh, experiencing uh, difficulty breathing. His lungs seemed like they were clogged, according to him. And uh, one of the Fascinating stuff, isn't it, Spencer, that Tyson Fury was, they first discovered it, that he had COVID, that he was having problems breathing, he couldn't go 12 rounds in sparring properly, um, F.A. Jagba had it as well and was taken to hospital, that was the F.A. he was uh, referring to, the young heavyweight who looks like a real rising star in the sport, so, you know, the fact that there are conspiracy theorists out there that that this wasn't an outbreak. And I say, I've spoken to people in person who said they really weren't well out here, members mm. of his team, shows that, that it, it, it hasn't been for show. It's not because they want to put the fight off. This was a genuine COVID outbreak. Absolutely. You know, it's frustrating, if I'm honest, Gareth. You know, people know what's going on in the world today. People know how serious this this virus is. You know, this, you know, COVID respects nobody, you know. It, it, mm. you know, And, and it's Very quite... Well yeah, it... it and it's just frustrating, mate, if I'm totally honest, that, that rumours have been made up and rumours are circulating that, you know, that their ticket sales were no good and so they've had to move the fight back. Well, 
that's you know, if we go through the layers of this and break it down, if ticket sales were no good and they had to push the fight back to October, what would improve ticket ticket sales by October? Nothing. Yeah. You know, the ticket sales I don't think were as bad as what what the rumours were circulating. You know, um, I think that as Bob Aaron was saying, you know, they were doing very well and 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 sort of. Um, you know, the money was there. It's just, it's down to the virus, COVID. And unfortunately, you know, these things happen. They pull it off and, you know, and it's been rescheduled. It's a fight that I want to see. Of course it is. You know, Deontay Wilder has been training like a lunatic. You know, he's he, he wants his revenge. I think he's going to come with a different game plan. So, yeah, I just think it's very unfortunate that, this fight has been delayed through COVID, but I also think it's very unfortunate that Tyson Fury is taking the backlash that he's taking because he's got sick. Well, it's, it's, it's obviously, it had become a bigger fight for July the 24th. By the time it comes around again, people will be excited to see it, I'm sure. But what I also did, I spoke up, I spoke to top-ranked president uh, Todd DeBuff a little earlier today, and here's what he had to say about the situation as well. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. They pulled out deliberately this, that, and the other. A lot of not allegations, but a lot of people having conspiracy theories. Can you just verify that? Because I'm hearing that there were team members of the camp had it from last Monday, what was effectively 12, or detected it when they weren't feeling well 12 days ago, and that there were up to five members of Tyson Fury's team, and then other people in the gym that you guys use, the top-ranked gym and then the other gym that you've been using, that there were multiple people testing positive with COVID. Yes, I mean, I mean, listen, we, we got wind of it, Not neither Bob nor I got wind of it, but our chief operating officer who deals directly with Brad Jacobs got wind of this immediately. As soon as we found out that somebody wasn't feeling well, we put them into a very aggressive protocol system isolation. We did the quick tests right away, the Q quick tests to get flash tests. Once those came back within 15, 20 minutes, we were getting a good indication to follow up with PCRs. And then we just went widespread into it. it, it you know, obviously who had it and didn't have it is confidential information, right? But they had an outbreak within the camp, but we put in a protocol system. We notified the commission and obviously um, then notified the Wilder camp as we saw this heading towards um, a potential postponement. The other thing that, that was put out there as well was that, oh, it was done deliberately because ticket sales weren't going well. I mean, when I spoke to Bob yesterday very briefly, he was saying that absolutely not. There were, there were no issues, that there, there, there was a big gate coming in for this fight on, on July the 24th. Well, I, I mean, emphatically, and I don't, it, it, you know, that, that's just kind of like, and I'm not going to indict people that want to start spinning crap around, but, you know. Well, he was just, having a pop at Eddie Hearn as well at the time to me. Well, though. I mean, listen, you, you can indict Eddie for that. But, I mean, Eddie, I, I can tell you this. We were on track to break our record, which was the first fight, which was in February 20th. We had more advanced sales for this one than we did for that one that broke the heavyweight record in the U.S., mm. um, and uh, which was, I think, $17 million. We were in a great position. I was disappointed because now you see what you had was a nice coffer, which was well above the expectation we had, um, largely because we weren't sure, right? We weren't sure what, when we went on, what, what the market was going to be like, demand was going to be like. We had saw that McGregor and Poirier had done really well at the gate. They ended up at 15. We just didn't know. We didn't know what, what the, the UK fans were going to do. Were they going to sit on the sidelines or they were going to activate and try to get to the US and, risk what the quarantines and protocols would be. Um, but we were pleasantly surprised by the pace and, and specifically the support um, around the ticket sales. Do you feel that it, it, it works almost better now, even though it's not what the fans wanted? No doubt it's not what the fighters wanted. I know that Tyson Fury was very frustrated. He couldn't go forward. You know, he's desperate to get back into the ring. But overall, is it a better picture on October the 9th in terms of traveling fans and still the gates and all of those kind of things? You know, I think it's too early to tell, right? I think it's, I mean, one is speculative. They're both speculation, right? We could have made it work in July, which we thought we're doing great. I think uh, we, we, we've, we've gotten all our assets done. We've done everything. I think you possibly could see one of two things happening, right? You could see an ease on international travel, which could help activate some of the UK people to come into the States, um, which could be very beneficial. 
we do know that supporting programming in the fall with the NFL and college football and obviously Major League Baseball in the playoffs is going to give us some real good promotional opportunities to drive awareness where this summer you're just at the beginning of the Olympics, the first day of the Olympics. So you don't have like those big tent pole massive audiences, but you're able to carve your own niche for that night. So you don't have headwind. Where in the fall, we may have headwind with a, an, a, a big college football game up against us here in the States. So I don't know that it, one's better than the other. I think as it plays out, we'll start to see how it plays. But I think, I think they both work because it's a compelling fight and it's the heavyweight championship with two charismatic guys. It's hard to disagree with him, Spencer. Heavyweight championship, that there is a narrative for two charismatic guys and that there are some disadvantages and advantages of it moving to October the 9th. But there you go through Bob Arum telling us the foundations of what happened 12 days ago with the COVID outbreak to to Scott, um, to Todd DeBuff dispelling the myths around ticket sales that there's already 14 to 15 million had come in from uh, the casinos and so on, buying the tickets, get almost up to that 17 million record that they had for the second fight last February. That you know, it's just the situation it is. It's disappointing. We're all deflated, but we've got to crack on with it and come back on October the 9th. Absolutely, Gareth. You know, look, look, listen, they're two very charismatic heavyweights. We know Deontay Wilder carries that whack that he could win a contest at mm. any given time. Absolutely. Tyson, Tyson Fury's, you know, goes down as the, the greatest heavyweight out there at the moment, pound for pound, probably number one. So, it's, of course, there's an appetite for the fight. Of course, people wanted to see it again. I want to see it again. So, you know, roll on October the 9th. That's all I can say. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Next, we were joined by Lee Wood, who fights for a world featherweight title against Shu Ken on the first weekend of Fight Camp July 31st. We wish him all the best. He was great fun. Here's what he had to say. We're reminiscing about Prince Nassim Ahmed. He would have been proud of a shot like that from Lee Wood. Down in the fourth, down in the ninth. This is Wood's chance all over. British champion Lee Wood. And he was lethal right at the end. A fantastic victory for the Nottingham man. Your winner by technical countout and the new British featherweight champion from Gatling, Nottingham, Lethal Lee Wood. 
first of all, I've got to ask you this. There's another famous boxer from Gedling by the name of Carl Froch. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Are you eventually going to be Gedling's most famous boxer? <laughs> it takes some beating, won't it? You know, uh, no, uh, no, no, <laughs> there's no secrets how many uh, people box in front of. <laughs> well, listen, if you, if you can get 81,000 at Wembley, you might have one over on him. <laughs> No, on a serious note, you know, um, one thing Colin ever did, which uh, I want to do, is be the first person to headline at the Forest Ground, the City Ground, and um, you know, it's going to give me my own identity to do that. And he never did that, so that's one thing that might uh, might upset him a little bit. So, so would victory over Shu Can? Obviously, I, I should introduce this. You have a world title. You're the British featherweight champion, but you have an opportunity. You're 24 wins, two losses, 14 wins by knockout. Um, does this opportunity against Shu Ken, who we heard from Josh Warrington in the last section, Lee, was he was heading towards him till he was beaten by by, by Mauricio Lara in February? Um, Shu Ken defends his WBA featherweight title against you on Matchroom Fight Camp, the first uh, weekend of, of in two weeks' time, basically. Um, yep. How big an opportunity is this for you to force that? that fight at, uh, uh, in, in Nottingham at the Forest Ground? It's massive, mate. It is massive. Two weeks tonight. Um, you know, winning this fight is going to open up a lot of doors and it takes me a step closer to, to my dream of headlining, being the first person to headline at the City Ground and I can't overlook him. It's uh, it's an hard fight. Um, you know, it's at that level. Of, it's a level I've never been at, but it's a level I'm confident I deserve to be at. And I've proven time and time again in domestic level. You know, I've won all my pretty much all my fights at domestic level by knockout. Um, obviously, I lost on a, a split decision to to Jazza, and but it's quite mm -hmm. show-like, and I, I can't really I can't really tag him clean, you know. But um, I think this is going to be a totally different story uh, two weeks tonight. You know, he's here to be hit, and I'm coming to take the win. I'm coming to take take a, a massive victory and uh, take a step closer to that massive fight at the City Ground. Lee, did you ever expect? Like this would have, did you ever imagine that this would happen? You know, going back to 2014, 2015, losing to Gavin McDonald, um, stopped in six. You've really like, like mm. you, from then we look at your career and look at your development and seen how you've come on, seen how you've improved. You've gone in a couple of times as the underdog, turned it around, pulled off brilliant victories. Very close fight against Jazza Dickens, who also fights for a world title in fight camp as well against Kid Galahad. But that was a majority decision. Could have gone either way, actually, that fight. But did you ever imagine that you'd find yourself in this position now? You know, you're, you're within touching range of winning that world title. You win that, mate, and your whole life will turn around. That's it, mate. You know, I've always had probably one of my best attributes is just determination to get to where I want to get to, no matter what, no matter what I go through, ups and downs, you know. The British title fight was probably a bit too early back in 2014. Put the wrong weight, I was dead at the weight. You know, if you look, watch the fight, ability-wise, it was a walk in the park for me. I felt like I hit him when I won, and um, I just didn't have it in tank. Even after a few rounds, I just knew I'd not done the weight right. But that was a, a bit of pill to swallow at the time, you know, because you just want to... When you feel like you're, you're better than a certain level and you didn't win because of boxing skill, it was, it was so hard at the time, and I, was, I went through so much, and um, I just knew in my head, right, I'm, I'm going to do it, I'm going to make sure I don't get it wrong, and... Um, I had a lot of management issues as well. I had a few injuries along the way, but, um, you know, I kept going. I was, I was just hell-bent. I'm going to get there no matter what, no matter what it takes, no matter what I've got to go for, I'm going to get there. And um, that mindset has got me here today. You know, there's so many opportunities I've had to, to hang them up and just walk away from the sport. Management issues, like I said, two major operations, another defeat after in the golden contract. Like, it was a majority decision, but, you know, it's still a defeat, but... All these things I've overcome, and, it's in, and I've learnt more from losses, and I've come back stronger. And um, it's why, why I deserve to be here, and I'm going to show uh, in two weeks' time, you know, that metal, that same desire to win on on finite. Sure. I think what's fascinating is um, you look at Shu Ken's record, and, and he's clearly well. We know what he. Well, we've watched him several times. He's, you know, he's a clever technical volume puncher, not a massive knockout artist. And so we know that you carry equalizing power. So as long as you can, and as you say, he's not difficult to hit. He's very durable as well. But if you can, if you can storm him, if you can have dominant moments in the fight and unsettle him, that this I don't want to call it an upset to you because in your mind it's not going to be an upset. But 
you know, this is a this is an opportunity that could genuinely project you onto a completely different level. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's a massive platform. Um, a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are surprised it's come out of nowhere. For some people, it's been kept from the wraps. But yeah, like you said, it's a volume puncher. Um, you know, I've got a lot of power. Um, my coach, Ben Davidson, says I'm pound for pound the biggest puncher has ever took on the pads. And it's no surprise time and time again, like I said earlier, I've had six title fights in my professional career, all by knockout. Um, I carry I carry a lot of power, but um, what's underrated for me is my probably my adaptability. Um, you know, I can, if you watch many of my fights, uh, if you go back from 2015, Joshua, Lee Glover, if you go back from all, you know, I don't box exactly the same every time and I can adapt quite well. You know, Ben gives me instructions in camp to do something, I can practice it and I can I can change. Um I trust Ben one hundred percent with the game plan, like I did in my last fight. Going into this fight we've got a great game plan. I know what I've got to do, I'm gonna go out and do it. Yeah, Lee, that Love it. <laughs> Do you know what? There's been so many moving parts in this featherweight division, isn't there? Like, Tucan was meant to box Josh Warrington in a unification bout. That fight fell through. Warrington gave up his IBF featherweight title. That's now being contested by Jazza Dickens and Kid Galahad. You get the opportunity against Tucan now. Is this something that's just sort of come out of nowhere? Did you, did you, did you see this coming? Did you see yourself, look... You was boxing in British title fights in your last fight. Great performance, by the way, against Reese Mould. Winning that in, <laughs> in, in nine rounds, and it was a brilliant performance. You know, you demonstrated that you've got a lot of power. Your power, actually, is, is very, very underestimated. You throw long, straight shots, and, and, and you know, and you get the job done. But did you ever think, after winning against Reese Mould for the British title, you'd find yourself in this position with the opportunity to box for a world title? I thought within 18 months I was going to get a crack at a world title. I didn't know which. I thought it was it was probably going to be more than likely the Navarrete route because he's probably a little bit more avoided. Um, and I thought I was going to have to go abroad for it. To have it in my own country is just unbelievable. And to have it next, the next fight from that is even more incredible. I thought I was going to have to box an eliminator. I thought was what well, our plan was to go uh, do a boxer, an international title, get ranked. And, and pretty much forced another variety fight because no, not many other people wanted to fight him. So that was the plan. Um, luckily, I'm always in the gym trying to improve. Uh, I enjoy keeping fit. I enjoy training and stuff. So I was, I was in the gym. Um, I had just enough notice to, to be ready for this fight and what a massive opportunity it is. Finally, Mr. Wood, um, you mentioned Ben Davison there. He, he has spoken to, you about, to me about you frequently and said that perhaps you should have been projected more earlier in your career. What is it um, about Ben, and how did you guys come together? <laughs> yeah, I do think I've not wasted a lot of years because I spent the, a good 10 years in the Ingle Gym, and if you've ever been in there, it's a completely different way of training, but you're against elite fighters, uh, up against like training alongside elite fighters like Kelbrook, um, obviously, Kigala at the time, Junior Whittle, um, when I first went there. There's been Adanamar, this a, a long chain of uh, champions that go through that gym. And for me to have that schooling was very important to my success now as well. So it wasn't mm. so much wasted, but fight wise, I did, I should have done more earlier. But, um, you know, we can't we can't change anything. And I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I got this opportunity. Uh, now with Ben Davison, uh, he's vital for me achieving my maximum potential and it's probably been the best move I could have made. I used to go into fights with like game plans and just kind of rock up really fit, really strong. Rely on your and, power, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was always a good boxer because of my schooling, but there's not a lot of method behind it. It was just go out and get the mm. job done. I'll find a way to do it. Now it's more about researching our opponents, game plans, tactics, um, ironing out my... Uh, my personal uh, things in the ring that I do wrong, don't do great, working on them uh, imperfections and then how to export my opponents as well. Finally, we looked ahead to Joe Joyce's fight with Carlos Takam, which takes place this weekend. Massive fight for Joe Joyce in which he can use it as a yardstick to measure himself to see where he is now with a dozen unbeaten fights in his career. London, England. He was a 2016 Olympic silver medalist. Joe, the Juggernaut, 
choice! Oh dear, it's the left eye and he's gone down. He's gone down with a jab right on that damaged left eye. And down he goes. And it could be that it's all over right here. He's had enough, he doesn't want any more. And Joe Joyce, by stoppage, is the new British Commonwealth and European champion. And now the new British Commonwealth and European heavyweight champion, Joe the Juggernaut Joyce. Carlos Dukam has landed some very quick left hooks and right hands, primarily the right hand to the chin of Forrest, and right now Forrest doesn't have any answers. By unanimous decision, Carlos Takam! He's always dangerous, he's constantly training, he's a beast, he's always in shape, and um, he's had a good long time to prepare for me, so he'll be the best version of Takam coming at me, so it's going to be a tricky fight, but an exciting fight. Well, the voice there, finally, you heard of Joe Joyce. A very interesting man. He's an absolute... He is a juggernaut. He's a giant human being. And obviously, um, he does weird things in his spare time, like paints fine art, because he's a fine art graduate, which is what makes him interesting, actually. He's a fascinating man. But the fascination revolves around what he does with his feet and his fists now uh, next weekend against Carlos Takam. Um, obviously, we heard the highlights there of him uh, stopping Daniel Dubois uh, last November as well. But now he faces the Cameroonian-born French veteran Takam, who's faced Anthony Joshua, Derek Chisora and others. So we know all about this guy. Um, Joe Joyce, for me, Spence, if he stays around long enough, will eventually be a world champion. He's won a silver medal at the Olympics. He's gone the traditional route, British Commonwealth, European... And now he's starting to climb a ladder. He's only had a dozen fights. Um, he's still early in his career, but he's not early in his life because he's 35. So things have to move on quickly. He's another guy for me, Spencer, who people say he's not all that. And yet every time he steps in there, he proves he is an awful lot of that. Absolutely. He, he proves people wrong all the time. And I'm guilty of that, actually, as well. Um, you know, when Joe first turned over and I looked at him and I thought, you know what? He looks a little bit one-dimensional for me, and he walks too forward, slow, rock'em sock'em robot, yeah, all yeah. of that, yeah, all yeah, of that yeah. doesn't move his head, and when he re reaches yeah. top level. But he keeps delivering and he keeps pulling yeah. it out of the bag. Now, I was one as guilty of seeing him as a massive underdog against Daniel Dubois. I thought Dubois would have too much in his arsenal. I think he would, you know, I think he's, I, I thought he'd have everything all round was better from Daniel Dubois. But Joe Joyce just slowly broke him down, worked behind the jab. You know, he was, he had, tactically, he had it right. He was moving away from Dubois' big right hand. And yeah, he put on a great performance. He went up in my rankings massively after that performance and you're right I agree with you actually Gareth that I think given the right opportunity and the, the right fight comes at the right time he can go on and win a world title yes he is 35 years of age but in boxing years he's still a baby and that's the, that's the truth of it. In boxing years, he's not got many miles on the clock. You know, he done. He should have won the gold medal. It was a silver as, a, as an amateur in the Olympics. I thought he was unfortunate not to get the gold. Um, but he's still a baby. But, you know, I think that Frank Warren's doing a great job with him. He's developing at the right time and pushing him on, you know. And, um, yeah, I like the look of him. I think that this is a perfect opponent for the perfect time. Carlos Takam, very tough. We see him 10 rounds with um, Alexander Povetkin, 10 rounds with Anthony Joshua, doing well against Derek Chisora before getting knocked out in eight. You know, this guy is tough. He puts his shots together well. He's got quick hands. He's got good movements. Yes, he is 40 years of age. Yes, there is a lot of miles on the clock. But... Tackham's coming to win. He feels that, you know, this is a good opportunity to get himself back up there. And it'll be interesting why it lasts. But I just think the juggernaut is too big, too strong, and I think he'll get to him mid-rounds. Mid it's funny, you know, you say how, um, how uh, Joe has been, been kind of brought on in the last five years. It's five years, obviously, the Olympics start next week um, in Tokyo, the, 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 the um, suspended, the postponed Olympics for a year. And... and um, you know, you go back to Rio, where I, I think he won the gold against yeah, Tony definitely. Yoko. Look where Tony, Tony Yoko, who I've seen several times training in the, in the, um, the Oakland gym um, of Virgil Hunter, um, he hasn't really progressed. And I, no. I, I do think, I think Joe was very unfortunate not to win that gold, Spence. But I think, you know, for me, Joe 
has an, an incredible chin um, and an ability to, to punch. He the juggernaut is the right is is definitely the right ring sobriquet for him um, because he does do that. He I think he breaks people's heart. I mean, you mentioned the fight with Daniel Dubois. He didn't just work smartly behind the jab. He he peppered he did. Dubois all night with that jab. He was first to the jab. We hear it, don't we, when we're ringside? Be first, yeah. be first. Yeah. You know, do the one, get the one going, then get the one-two going, you know, then get the two going, whatever you're going to do. You know, we hear that all the time. The jab is the most foundational and most almost almost the most potent weapon sure. in boxing. I mean, I, 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 let me pose this to you, okay? He's not fighting this guy, but if Joe Joyce got his jab effective, could he not push Deontay Wilder back in the same way over 12 rounds. Listen, I think he could do that with pretty much anyone. As you said, like he's so physically strong. We spoke to, you know, current world champions who have sparred him, and they said, you know what, this guy is just phenomenally strong. And I'll tell you, that probably the best way to describe Joe Joyce is what he does with his opponents, is he steals mm. their souls. That's what he does. Yeah. He steals their souls. He breaks their hearts and steals their souls. That's what he does. He works them because he looks so one-dimensional, so unorthodox, so unorthodox that actually it's effective. You know, he works behind that jab and he looks a little bit robotic, but his opponents don't know where the shots are coming from. And when they hit him, he just keeps marching forward. Now, as an ex-fighter, I know when you hit someone and they just keep walking forward and they're smiling at you and they're just keep peppering away and he's got the work mm. rate by the way of a middleweight he's just like mm. he's got a phenomenal work rate but when you do that it does something to you it takes the energy from you saps the energy from you and it is it's probably the best description to say it, it steals your soul you know it, it, yeah. it, it breaks you and Joe's Joe's great at that no absolutely it's funny you say about stealing a soul because I was down by the pool earlier obviously I'm here in Las Vegas <laughs> I want to make you feel uh, no, no, I'm, and I'm going to head back to out on the strips um, in a couple of hours but I was sitting down by the pool Spence it was 40 degrees I'm worrying where this going to go um, where is this going my, 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 my mojito was on one side my chicken sliders <laughs> were on the other um, I had I had friends to the left in about eight seats who I'd been swimming with earlier playing water polo in the pool um, in the morning session here in the beautiful sunshine of Las Vegas with the music playing and um, <laughs> and 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 the funny thing was I was reading Carol Joyce Oates on boxing she's a brilliant. Uh, erudite writer and of course great writers have come I'm, gonna, I'm having my lyrical moment on the show right yeah, now yeah. I'm having my lyrical and cultural moment on the show right now and um, you know the great writers Mark Twain uh, Ernest Hemingway uh, Norman Mailer great writers have come to boxing because they're captured by the narrative that people like yourself are able to suspend the safety of their own personas, the safety of their own souls, and put it into a compartment and go and fight someone. It's a very extraordinary thing to do. And I was, re I was genuinely reading about this by the pool earlier. And th there was the talking about when you fight someone, when you hurt them, you do take a part of their soul. Mm -hmm. and, and Joyce is so calm, to bring it back to Joe Joyce, he's so calm and he's so mellow when he doesn't fight and he's hard to, to get annoyed. He's someone who comes in. He's like he's like an, a big, uh, like a giant assassin coming into the ring. Well, anyway, let's hear from him. James Savundra of Talksport caught up with the heavyweight earlier this week, and here's what Joe had to say. You don't seem to be phased by anything. You seem very calm when you're in the ring, or or when we're speaking to you now. Do, do you ever get nervous for anything? No, not really. I just uh, take it in my stride and make and I make sure I do all my preparation in the gym so that I'm ready for fight night and uh, and I'm in my comfort zone. It's, it's exciting, uh, drilling field sport. It's like an extreme sport, so it's what, uh, what I enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, it pays the bills. And a week or so out now from the Carlos Sackham fight, I've been waiting a while to see you fight again. How are you feeling heading into it? Yeah, feeling good. Um, I've got my last spa coming up later, so I've already done the warm up today in VR. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, sparring Babic the Savage, so um, he's going to be hard work. He's going to be trying to knock me out, and um, yeah, it's going to be fun. But definitely bre great preparation for my fight on Saturday night. What's it been like sparring Babic? Because he seems absolutely relentless. He seems completely unhinged at times. Yeah, I thought I was relentless. He's relentless, and uh, yeah, it's coming with some some good, really great work, and um, you know, I'm really happy he could 
take the time out to come and uh, come and spar with me in preparation for this for, uh, for me facing Takam because um, yes, yeah, much needed and um, also my other sparring partners they've uh, you know got me prepared for for this big test. What sort of challenge do you think Carlos Takam will give you? We know a lot about him. He's taken on the likes of Joshua, taken on the likes of Parker, Povetkin and Chisora. Where do you think he's at now? He's always dangerous. He's constantly training. He's a, a beast. He's always in shape. He's had a good long time to prepare for me, so he'll be the best Takam, best version of Takam coming at me. So it's going to be a tricky fight, but an exciting fight. And, um, you know, once I beat him, then I can go on and do bigger and better things. And are you looking forward to getting back in the ring again? It must have been a long time feeling impatient, thinking you were going to take on Usyk. That didn't happen. So mentally, it must have been quite a challenging few months. Yeah, I had to because I thought I was going to fight Usyk. So I had um, sparring and like getting my head around like in training and pads to fight a southpaw. Um, but then there's a change of, of plans and fighting Takam. But I, I, I was never like 100% that I was going to fight Usyk. So I was just kind of ticking over till I got the nod that I was definitely, it was definitely happening. And I could go full full steam ahead, and that's what's happened now. I've got with got the fight with Takam. That's what I've been doing, and uh, coming to the end of my camp, so last last burst, and and then fight night. And what do you think a victory over Carlos Takam will give you? You're number two at the moment in the WBO, and that fight between Joshua and Usyk. When that happens, you then immediately go up to number one. Do you think you will get this world title shot soon? When do you think it will be? I've no idea, but um, I'll get there sooner or later. Um, just need to stay ready and active, and that's what I'm doing. You're looking in great shape. You are 35, you turned 36 in September, but you look a lot younger than that, and because you've not had that many pro fights, you must feel pretty fresh. Are you concerned about time running out, or do you feel like you've got a long period of time left in this sport? No, I feel like I'm uh, at the peak of my... Uh, fitness and prowess and experience so I think now is the the best time I ha had a late start at 22 so I've had uh, more than 10 years in the sport so I'm you know I'm still improving I'm constantly learning and yeah I'm ready for the for these top fights and now I'm just waiting for that opportunity to become world champion the mellow tones of Joe Joyce uh, fighter artist and no doubt, I think, world champion. Right, Spencer, I've got a little quiz for you right now. Okay, you ready? Sure, I'm ready. Okay. In reverse order. Um, Joe Joyce versus Dillian White. Pick a winner. Ooh, tough one. Um, right now, Dillian White. Uh, and how's the victory? Um, Dillian White would win that by KO. I think if it if it went all the way, then I'd I'd have to go Joe Joyce because I think of his work rate is phenomenal. But I think Dillian right now, right now, Dillian's far too experienced. He's at a different level, so Dillian White KO. But do you think um, Dillian has faster hand speed than Joe? Yes. Do you think that's what wins it for him in the end? No, I just think he. I think he's more seasoned and he, he's you know he's competed at that level. For longer, I think that Joe's they're at different stages of their career. Dillian's there now, knocking on the door for a world title shot. Should have had one two years ago, three years ago, if I'm totally honest. Um, and he's ready, Dillian. And I think that you know, it, I think that um, Joe Joyce, on the other hand, is still at that stage where he's you know he's going through your Carlos Tackums, your Derek Chisora's, mm -hmm. that sort of mm -hmm. level before he steps up to the level where Dillian White's at. Dillian, Dillian White is in is in the top tier of the heavyweights at the moment. He's in the elite level. And Joe Joyce right now is at, at that level below, that fringe contender level. Well, our thanks to all our guests this week and my thanks to Spencer Oliver for joining me on the Fight Night podcast. Enjoy. We'll see you next time. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.